Well, BYU basketball made it a battle once again, but they get the win in the end thanks to Dallin Hall beating Missouri State. We're talking about that, and we're also getting to your questions. The Mailbag Thursday edition of Locked On Cougars. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. We're very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we are your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Goal here, simply stated, is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans in the room by covering all the news and notes you guys need to know about when it comes to the BYU football program, basketball program, and pretty much everything else that's out there in the BYU sports universe. Let's dive right in today, and we're going to kind of step aside. We do uh, usually football talk in the first part, but BYU basketball gets another win last night. They improved to 2-1 and one via a 66-64 to victory over Missouri State, and it was a thrilling game. Uh, I felt like at one point BYU was going to pull away, but then Missouri State put together what ended up being, I think it was a 15-3 to run to take a, a narrow lead on BYU. But the Cougars, they battled back, and they just continued to hang in there and fight and scratch and claw, and they ended up winning the game as Dallin Hall, the freshman sensation, Mr. former Mr. Basketball from the state of Utah uh, out of Fremont High School, comes down the court, 1.5 seconds remaining, hits a it was kind of a runner slash jumper off the glass and in, ultimately gives BYU that 66-64 win, and it's a really, really uh, gutty win for BYU. I don't know why so far this season they've made their home games just uh, crazy, because I think back to the Idaho State home opener, the season opener for BYU, it took a Spencer Johnson three with, like, what, 11, and, 11 seconds and change to give BYU a lead they ultimately would not relinquish. He ends up getting a, a rebound late in that one in a foul to seal the win. And Dallin Hall comes down the court after uh, Missouri State had tied the game at 64 and gets the game winner. This is a team right now, this basketball team, they're battling. Are they a finished product by any means? Absolutely not. Uh, they they are far from what I think that they believe they can be and what ultimately I think this squad is capable of. But the one thing you can you can tell about them is they are hard nosed. They they are they are battle uh, tested so far. They have been through uh, some wars so far. Idaho State gave them everything they could handle. Obviously, they had a very good performance going against San Diego State and then faltered in the final four to five minutes of that one. Uh, I guess you could send it out to the last ten minutes of the game. Ultimately, losing at San Diego State, but then bouncing back with this win over Missouri State. So this is a squad uh, overall that I think has got more depth to it than Mark Pope has had in a little while, but at the same time, he's got a lot of uh, youth and inexperience on this squad. There were moments in this game when different guys made just baffling mistakes. Uh, And the thing about it is even guys that are quote-unquote experienced, Rudy Williams, for example, early on in this game, he had three of the first four turnovers for BYU. One of them he slipped, so that was not necessarily his fault. Uh, coming down the court, but you can't have a senior transfer guard uh, coming into BYU be as turnover prone as Rudy Williams has been. A crazy thing about this right now is that the way that Dallin Hall is playing and the way he played down the stretch in this game, I would ultimately think that he may supplant Rudy Williams as a starting point guard sooner rather than later. And I don't think that's necessarily an indictment against Rudy Williams. I'm just saying that Dallin Hall, folks, 
we're looking at a guy who could be an absolute superstar for the BYU basketball program. He is three games in to his BYU tenure, and he's already hit a game winner for the Cougars. Uh, I don't know how many of you saw it, uh, the post-game he was talking with Spencer Linton on BYU TV. Danny Ainge, the former BYU legend himself, current CEO of the Utah Jazz, comes wandering up and says, how about that? Photo bombs him, and uh, right in the middle of the interview, this is a kid, and I, Brett Hine uh, from the Ogden Standard Examiner also mentioned the fact in the last four games that Dellen Hall has played, going back to his high school career before his mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, had a really good performance. Donovan Mitchell, the former Utah Utah Jazz superstar now playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, tweeted that he wanted to meet Dallin Hall because Dallin had just an absolutely superstar uh, game in that state tournament. So there, this is this is kind of the, the the coming out party for Dallin Hall. But he's not the only guy in this game. I was very impressed with. I thought a Tiki Ali, a Tiki maybe had his finest game in a BYU uniform. Avoided foul trouble, got big rebounds, got some big buckets down the stretch. He was masterful late in this game. Fusini Traore, the size that Missouri State was. Throwing Throwing at him obviously bothered him in this game. And he had his moments, obviously. He had some big buckets in this one. But he Foose was not his typical self. And Atiki Ali Atiki, to his credit, stepped up in a critical, critical moment and really helped BYU out down the stretch. If, if he doesn't do what he did, BYU probably loses this game and loses it pretty handily, I would imagine. That's the thing about this, is this team continues to get contributions from different guys in different moments. Spencer Johnson, pretty good early on in the first half of this game, but then Noah Waterman comes off the bench, makes three straight threes in about six minutes of game action in the first half and looked absolutely incredible. Second half, decides, you know what, I'm just going to keep hoisting him up. Ends up going five for five from the three-point line, getting all five of his three-point attempts and making them and then scoring 15 points. And that was a big, big moment for him to come into because he talked after the game in post-game press conference that he had not been able to find his shot much early on this season. He felt felt good to get out there. He tied his career high that he set uh, when he was at Detroit Mercy before transferring to BYU by getting those five three-pointers. So this is a BYU basketball team right now that, yeah, they're, they're, they're far from a finished product and they're having to go as many as 10, 11 guys deep on the roster at points. But the nice part is I think Mark Pope is learning that each one of these guys on this roster is proving capable when needed and when called upon. They can step up in instances when you're absolutely needing a critical bucket, a big rebound. Uh, you need a guy to hit a free throw. That's the type of stuff that I think this team can build on. Like I said, I, I don't think this team is anywhere near what they ultimately aspire to be and what they can be this year. But the positive news is, if you're a BYU basketball fan, is that this squad fights. They play very good defense. They play cohesively as a team. That's one thing about this is this BYU team, the one thing they're hanging their hat on, at least right now, and that's giving them opportunities to win games, Games is their defense. They're they're far more athletic than some of the previous BYU squads that Mark Pope has had, and that's it's nothing against those other teams. It's not meant to be like, well, those guys sucked. I'm just saying this squad, it was recruited for its athleticism. It was brought in the the overhaul of the BYU roster. 12 new guys added to this roster in the offseason. The idea was to get longer, to get more athletic, to be able to defend at a higher level. And through three games, it's a small sample size, but BYU is defending better and more cohesively as a team so far this year. And that's that's something you can build upon. So, it. This is a still a long season. There's still a long way to go. They're going to be facing Nichols State on Saturday night. A little bit of a teaser ahead. I had a great conversation one-on-one with Spencer Johnson, like I mentioned. Guy who had a very, very uh, big game against Idaho State. Had his moments in this game uh, against... Uh, um, uh, 
forgetting that Morgan, uh, not, not Morgan, Missouri State, not Morgan State, Missouri State, man, struggling to remember uh, who it was they were facing. But I had a great conversation with him. We'll play that on tomorrow's show about what his goals are as a player, a guy who's finally entered the starting lineup for BYU, what he ultimately aspires to do in his final season as a Cougar, and just ultimately what he thinks this team is capable of. We'll get to that on tomorrow's show. But a good win for BYU, a solid win. Not a win that is going to be like, okay, that's that that's going to guarantee BYU gets a tournament slot at the end of the year. I know Mark Pope said during his media availability, well, that could be a top 30 net rating, a, a Q1 win. I don't think Missouri State's going to be that good, Coach Pope, but the good news is you got the win. You're 2-1, and one, and now you get ready for Nichols State, which actually should be a relative breather in many respects as to some of the other opponents BYU has faced this year. That'll be Saturday night out of the Marriott Center. If you want to make it a day-night doubleheader, go to BYU Football Senior Day against Idaho, uh, not Idaho State, uh, Utah Tech. Excuse me, on at 1.30. Finish that game and then just scurry over to the Marriott Center. You can t- uh, watch BYU and Nichols play and, like I said, make it a day-night doubleheader on Saturday evening. We'll get, re- get you ready for those games on tomorrow's podcast. But coming up next, it's your guys' time to shine. You guys send in your questions via social media as well as email. We'll get to as many of them as we have in the time remaining here on today's show. But first, a word on a new friend of ours. Actually, a, kind of an old friend, but they're back around with us. It's our friends over at Nugenix. Uh, all of us getting older. And some of you out there, like myself, probably rocking that dad bod a little bit. But if you want to, uh, you don't have that time to work out. But if you wanted to change the energy and body you once had, you discover Nugenix. And that's what's going to help you. Working out like you used to, you're able to have that energy to be able to get that workout on. It's not your fault. All of us age as men, and our body naturally loses testosterone. The man hormone happens to every man, and it makes it more difficult to stay in shape and be energetic and active. I can speak directly to this because it's something that I've experienced in my life. Best part about this is Nugenics Total T contains a demand-boosting ingredients like testofen that's been validated in five clinical studies and shown to boost free testosterone levels in men. The best part is Nugenics Total T boosts free testosterone that the aging process robs, so you'll feel stronger, you'll be leaner with more energy and drive, and more passion too. Your partner is going to notice the difference, my friend. So give it a shot. It's a fantastic product. It is the number one selling t- testosterone booster at GNC. And we got a great deal for you guys now. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenix Total Tea when you text college, that's C-O-L-L-E-G-E, to 231-231. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenix Thermo, the most uh, powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast, absolutely free. Once again, text college to 231 231 one more time, text college 231 to 231 to give Nugenics a try. All right, my friends, let's talk about your guys' questions. But a quick reminder before that, make sure you check out the Locked On, <laughs> excuse me, Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only the Locked On Podcast Network can provide you with. That's Locked On Sports Today, the podcast available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's dive into the mailbag now and get to your guys' questions. First one comes via DM. It's our good friend Nick Chadwick, a longtime friend of the podcast podcast guy who's always winning in with questions. Hopefully you can help me squash rumors, what he says. I heard Spencer Fano had a bad experience on a recruiting trip with a family member of the BYU football team. Do you have any knowledge about that? Uh, first off, I'll get to the second part of your question here in a minute. I do not have any direct knowledge of this. I've heard the rumors. I've, I've read some stuff about it. I have no direct knowledge of what may or may not have happened with Spencer Fano and his family involving the BYU football program. But he says, is that why BYU is no longer in the top four? You think that Logan Fano is solid with BYU of 
his brother goes elsewhere. Also, oh, excuse me, so, so we get to that question now. Now, I think that Logan, he was a guy who committed to BYU as an eighth grader, looked around, went to multiple programs, visited seemingly everywhere, and ultimately landed back with BYU and felt like it was the right spot for him. I have no reason to think that Logan is necessarily looking elsewhere, but if his brother d- does decide to go somewhere else, that may cause him to uh, have a thought and say, you know what, maybe I need to make sure I'm as solid with BYU as I hope I, as I thought I was. You want him to remain with BYU. Logan Fano, he's an elite pass rush artist, and he'd be a fantastic, fantastic guy to have for BYU going into the Big 12 era. But Spencer Fano, yes, BYU is no longer in his top four. I don't know how to speak more to this because I don't know as much about his recruiting process as guys like maybe Jeff Hansen do. But uh, simply put, sometimes guys just decide, you know what, even if their brother happens to be in the program, they just decide that the other, other, the, the, another place is for them. Think about Andrew Gentry, guy that BYU wanted multiple times. He has decided that BYU is not for him. So older brother JT spent all of his time in college playing for BYU. Uh, that sometimes siblings just uh, for one sibling it works, the other one it does not. So maybe just simply the fact that Spencer Fano feels more comfortable going somewhere else, and you wish him well. Honestly, uh, you just say hey, thanks, but I uh, hope you do well wherever you end up. And if ultimately. Whatever you decide doesn't work out, hey, maybe consider us down the road because the transfer portal is a real deal, my friends. And that brings us to the final point of Nick Chadwick's questions here. Also, with BYU going heavy in the portal, hopefully, uh, could you break down what positions and possible names you think BYU could be in on? He says, my hope is three to four defensive linemen, one to two linebackers, one to two running backs, and one to two QBs. Thank you for the great podcast. Well, Nick, thank you for the compliment. Now, I don't know names because the transfer portal, we don't know who ultimately is going to enter. We've even seen some reports out there that guys are going to go in December 5th is when the portal will officially open. That's the new guideline. There are two times a year the portal opens and guys as undergraduate players can enter the NCAA transfer portal. I do think BYU, if the 37 guys who are walking on senior day, let's say 25 to 30 of them do walk, they're going to be multiple open scholarships that BYU will have to fill some holes with, I would imagine, with the transfer portal. I think quarterbacks absolutely going to be one that BYU addresses. Running back, well, they've already stated that running back, the portal is going to be part of their equation at running back every single year. So I think those two positions will absolutely be targeted. On the offensive line, they could possibly look at some things. I even think they could look maybe at tight end, wide receiver. Uh, and then on the defensive side, you mentioned the fact, uh, Nick, that you want to see three to four defensive linemen and one to two linebackers. I think those would be very very worthy things for BYU to look into but at the same time they have got a lot of young guys especially along that defensive line you can't necessarily over allocate extra scholarships to a position that is already stuffed full of guys if you decide to ultimately have a conversation with guys and say hey maybe you're better suited to play elsewhere that opens up a scholarship that's when maybe you target that the linebacker position if guys like Keenan Peely Peyton Wilgard Max Tooley on down that list Chaz Ayu they do, do decide to exit the program I think BYU you absolutely will look at the linebacker position. I think one that they were absolutely target on the defensive side of the football that you don't mention here is safety. They realize maybe their safety group is not as strong as it was. Michael Harper's really good. If Malik Moore returns, that's a very good piece as well. Talon Alfrey's pretty good, but they still need added depth there. That may be a position they look at at the same time and see if they can find the right option. The biggest thing is BYU's got to find the right fit. That's the ultimate thing is when it comes to transfer portals and junior college guys, even high school guys, y'all know this. The transfer portal, uh, not the transfer portal, the, the honor code comes first and foremost. BYU's got very stringent academics as well. you got to have these guys fit in with what BYU's all about. You just can't bring in anybody to BYU. I know that sounds kind of haughty and 
hoity-toity, et cetera. It's not meant to be that. It's just how BYU operates. They, they, they live by this honor code. They require guys to go to class. They, they've got so many things they are required to do as a student athlete at BYU that, yeah, you have to find the right fit. And BYU will do their best. They're, gonna, they're probably going to uh, rake and comb through that transfer portal with everything they've got to find the right options for them. But I do think the transfer portal is going to be a big part of BYU this offseason. All right, on to our next question. Our good friend over at Texas Colonel. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul for that. I was still doing with a little bit of a cough here. But he says, what is the likelihood of a change in football assistant coaches? Now, Texas Colonel, I think on the defensive side of the football, there's absolutely change coming. I think there'll be a new defensive coordinator in place. I've got nothing against Elisa Tuiaki. He's been nothing but the utmost gentleman to me. I just think that this time, the writing is on the wall. Change is coming to the defensive side of the football for BYU in terms of their football assistants. Uh, offensively, if a guy like Fessy Satake or somebody got it got a promotion, they can move on and be able to have to find some guys to replace them, that type of stuff. Maybe Aaron Roderick gets a, a new job. I, I don't know. I think the defensive side of the football, all but guaranteed, there is going to be mass turnover there. A new defensive coordinator, uh, I would assume they'd probably want to bring some of their own assistants in with them. And it's going to cost guys. They're going to have to uh, move guys out to bring guys in. And that's just kind of the, the part of the equation here that BYU's got to balance. If you're if you're Kalani Satake, you got to you got to say, okay, Thank you for your service. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of building what BYU is. But as we go into the Big 12, I've had to make some tough decisions, and we're moving on. We're going to find somebody else. And, that, man, Alessia Tuiaki and him have been tied at the hip literally since day one of BYU. Losing a guy like that is going to be very, very tough for Kalani Satake, but I think everything indicates that Kalani realizes change it's got to happen. It, it stuff, stuff gets stagnant. It just it gets it gets old, and you got to try something new. I think that you're going to see some change along that side of the, the football for sure. Uh, all right, so uh, we'll get to some more of your questions in, here in a minute. I got a couple other things we need to touch on. It Mojo's got a great question. We'll get to here in a moment. But first, a word on our friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports betting infor- information, stats, news, and analysis. Get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball, to soccer, to esports. They've got it all at Bet Online. And if you love sports podcasts like Locked On Cougars, you can find those on Bet Online as well. They are the fastest and the easiest way to also get your betting fixed uh, no matter what you're trying to do. Live betting, uh, in-game betting, they've got it all for you guys. Check it out. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. Also brought to you today by our friends over at Utah Community Credit Union. A, a credit union I've literally been banking with my entire life. Had my first savings account, first checking account, first credit card, uh, first mortgage. I pretty much had all my firsts in my financial life come via UCCU, and they want to help you guys out right now as well. I think we all know, and I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but interest rates and inflation are both on the rise. The best part is UCCU is here to help you guys save some money while those interest rates are going up. They are offering a 15-month saving certificate with an incredibly high 4.00% APY. Uh, it's incredible, guys. You can start this for as little as $500. You can be a small t- a small fish like myself out there and be able, still be able to save a significant amount of money. The best part is during that 15-month period, 
if those rates continue to go up, speaking of inflation and the uh, interest rates, you can hike that rate up one time during the 15 months. It's a great way to go about saving money. It's a significantly higher percentage of return than in your typical savings account. So get started now. You can stop into any UCCU branch, call them or go online to uccu.com to get started with the savings certificate. Like I mentioned, you can start it for as little as $500, making it an awesome opportunity for every type of saver, both big and small. The best part is they've got multiple uh, terms and uh, options for you guys if you want to customize it to your liking. So once again, get to uccu.com to get started with that. Remember, this is only a limited time offer, so hop on it now. Once again, a 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. Visit uccu.com, give them a call, or stop into any of their branches to get started now. It's all courtesy of Utah Community Credit Union. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. Uh, voice uh, is getting stronger. Uh, I've I've tested it. I've stretched it. I, I've absolutely uh, been uh, doing a lot of different things. So thank you for bearing with me. It, it's been one of those weeks. It's like just kind of got to grind through this, but having a lot of fun. Let's get back to some of your questions, though, before we go here. Our good friend Mojo, of course, a fighter pilot for United States Air Force. Thank you for your service, Mojo. I think Nick Chadwick, if I'm not mistaken. Nick, I think you're also U- U.S. Air Force, uh, uh, I guess, alum or you're, you're serving our country. So thank you to both of you, I guess, first off, for your guys' service. But Mojo says, what position group do you think BYU could improve the most with the transfer portal? Do you see this going after skill position guys or focusing more on the trenches? Now, I think actually the skill positions where BYU is going to focus in the transfer portal. Obviously, if you find the right guys defensive line-wise, offensive line-wise, and you feel like they're the right fit, obviously BYU would prioritize guys like that. But I think the biggest one they could improve the most with the transfer portal it's the quarterback position. Uh, I, I I don't take any uh, glory in saying, I don't think BYU trusts Jacob Conover at this point. I don't think Cade Fennigan's the answer. Soljay Mayava-Peters, Nick Billups. Nothing against any of those four gentlemen. But they ain't it, at least right now, for BYU. Could they ultimately, could I Jacob Conover, if they do bring in a transfer portal quarterback or two to compete with him, he ultimately wins the job and proves to be the, the four-star talent that he once was thought to be? Yeah, he could prove that. But I think the fact that we have not seen him in some of these blowouts just... It screams to me that BYU just doesn't trust him at this moment. And I think the transfer portal, you can find proven quarterback options out there. And BYU will do that. They already We already know that they went after Gary... Uh, uh, Gary um uh, Bohannon, a uh, former Baylor quarterback, ultimately went to USF, the BYU faced in the season opener. They chased him in the portal this past year. Uh, they felt like he was a good option. BYU can find guys, can find options for their quarterback position, and I think it's absolutely the one they could upgrade the most very, very quickly if they find the right option in the transfer portal. All right, a couple other questions coming in. Cade Dallin, uh, at DalK20 on Twitter, he says, obviously this is not going to happen this week despite calls for it, but what are the odds we end up getting Coastal Carolina back for a return game? Obviously, BYU played that game on two days' notice. They had their game, speaking of Coastal Carolina, canceled this week due to the tragedy with the three players of Virginia getting killed and another teammate being shot and being in the hospital. The the deal was when BYU went to play Coastal Carolina, they did not necessarily sign a contract based on what I understand, but uh, Mark, uh, not Mark Pope, uh, Tom Homo indicated they anticipated that Coastal would make a return trip to Provo at some point in the future to make good on BYU playing that game on short notice down there at Coastal Carolina. Uh, I've got my 
my thought that I don't think Coastal Carolina ever comes to BYU. I don't think BYU has much interest in, in rescheduling that game. Uh, if they do want to play it, sure. I'm sure BYU would visit that, but I think it's years and years down the road. If BYU is still going to be an independent, I think it would be far easier to schedule this game, but the fact that BYU is going to be playing a nine-game conference schedule in the Big 12, at least for the foreseeable future, it looks like you'd have to probably schedule that out maybe a decade or more down the road, Cade, uh, for it to happen, but I honestly don't think BYU really cares at this point. I, I think that ship has sailed. If that contract was not signed, uh, there's no contractual obligation. I would think that Coastal Carolina would say, well, thanks for coming, but we ain't going out to Provo. I, I just don't see that happen. All right, and then the final thing is uh, Big Uncle Pooh here says, any guess as to how many, how much season tickets will increase in terms of uh, price-wise as we enter the Big 12? Now, Pooh, that's a great question. I think it will be pretty static, at least early on in the Big 12 era for BYU. I could be completely wrong about this, but I think BYU understands the sensitivity that BYU fans have to raising just absolutely incredible high, uh, high rates, or uh, not high uh, rates, uh, hikes on their ticket prices. I think BYU will gradually increase them. Uh, Reed Beatsy, I, I also added this, and will we have more than six home games? So it's thus increasing ticket prices even more. I would aspire to have BYU play seven or eight home games every year if they can manage it. I think it would be a fantastic thing. Do I think it's going to happen right away? No, I don't think so. I think BYU will play six, maybe seven home games in the rare year. They have more home games than just six on the schedule. But I think that they will continue to increase prices ever so slightly. But maybe they just decide, you know what we're going to do? We're going into the Big 12. We need big boy football. We need big boy football prices. And maybe they just jack them up in one year. They say, you know what, 2023, we're, we're going to gut the roster and at the same time we're going to raise ticket prices we're going to shock the system and see who wants to stick with it I, I that could be a way that BYU approaches this I don't think that is the way that Tom Homo wants to approach it but he very well may decide you know what we're just going to see we're going to stress test our fan base and see where things land I would venture to say that the majority of BYU fans would grumble about it but they're ultimately going to shell out the money they, they still love their Cougars they're still going to go there but <sighs> If I had to put money on it, I think it's more of an, a gradual increase over the first few years in the Big 12. But there will inevitably be an increase in ticket prices for BYU. So if you're a t season ticket holder, uh, you've got great seats. Anticipate paying more and more for them as the years go on. The, 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 these prices ain't going down anytime soon. And with inflation going nuts like it has been... Ooh, I, I, I don't envy anybody out there. I don't envy all of you who have to buy your season tickets. I, I'm... I, I, I've got no room to talk. I, I bought a pair of season tickets last year and gave them away on this show. I have not bought tickets for BYU since I was a student at the Y well over a decade ago. I have been privileged enough. I've attended almost every BYU home game for over a decade now for free. I've gone on a press pass. It's, and I, I'm pretty privileged to do that. I freely admit that. But I would expect the BYU, yeah, inevitably prices are going to go up and there's really two two options to do it. You do it gradually over the first couple of years for BYU or you decide, you know what we're going to do? We're going to jack them up right now. We're going to go to the level we think we need to be at right away, see who wants to do it. And I think eventually, I think BYU fans would come around and still would buy those tickets. There'd be plenty of grumbling. Oh, they're jacking my prices up. That's going to happen. But I think BYU fans would still pay the price to go see their Cougars play. And uh, I, for one, I uh, think it's going to be worth every dime because the best part is you're playing big boy football. You're going to have big time opponents coming to Provo that have never come to Provo before. That's the fun part about this is now that they're, they're part of the conference, 
you're going to have Oklahoma State. Uh, the first two years, potentially, you could have both Texas and Oklahoma coming to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It's a huge, huge opportunity for the BYU football program, and you're going to have to pay for that privilege as well. That's the, that's the other thing about it. So thank you to all of you for your questions. Uh, I'm going to sign off before my voice really uh, cuts out here, but a big thank you for your support as always. You guys are fantastic responding with your questions, reaching out, and uh, let me know what you guys think about the show, your support. It's just, it, it means the world to me that you guys uh, find this a quality product. So thank you for tuning in on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, uh, wherever you guys are tuning in from. Thank you for your support. It absolutely means the world to me. That's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back tomorrow getting ready for senior day. What do you need to know about Utah Tech? What is the latest I've heard on guys ultimately potentially leaving the program uh, as they walk on senior day? We'll get to that. We'll also talk about BYU basketball. Uh, like I said, that one-on-one conversation with Spencer Johnson. Stay tuned for that on tomorrow, the Friday edition of the podcast. So thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Hope you guys have a fantastic day whenever you hear and or watch this. But remember, make your second listen our friends over the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Fantastic way to get caught up on everything going on and BYU's new conference home from the big picture perspective. Josh Neighbors got you covered top to bottom in 30 minutes or less. Get it free and available wherever you get your podcast, just like this one. That'll do it for this edition of Locked On Cougars. Have a great rest of your day once again. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.